Hello and welcome to All Tomorrow. I'm Peter Schechter. And I'm Mooney Jensen, here to talk about South Africa, which seems a country in a deep slump. So decades after Nelson Mandela brought forth the end of apartheid, reconciliation in a deeply divided country and hoped that it would become a model for all of Africa, South Africa faces profound social, political, and economic difficulties. Peter, it's almost a perfect storm, so we're lucky to be joined later from Johannesburg by Anne Bernstein, who heads a leading think tank in South Africa. And we're going to discuss with her why this African powerhouse is in the news lately for all the wrong reasons. So, Muni, let's, let's, let's look at the story and the backstory. Why is South Africa's complicated racial past again and again in the political foreground? The country, which is over 80% black and only 8% white, continues to struggle to overcome its dark past of apartheid amid growing economic and social difficulties. You know, and I think the, the ruling party, the ANC, which has been in power since 1994, has just become such a deep disappointment with corruption and rampant mismanagement everywhere. South Africa's new president, the ANC's Cyril Ramaphosa, you know, was widely respected, but he has done actually little to change the party's negative reputation. Meanwhile, the opposition party, the Democratic Alliance, which is a traditional party with an anti-corruption flag, they've promised progressive politics, growing inclusiveness, disciplined oversight. They've had a fresh-faced and charismatic politician named Muzi Maimane at the helm, and the DA had become a symbol of new and inclusive and a had a bright future. It did look promising, Peter, but no longer. There's chaos and infighting and instability in the Democratic Alliance, too. And the tensions rose to a boiling point a few weeks ago when Maimame, who was, in fact, the first black leader of the DA, resigned. And he shed light after his resignation on what were kind of ongoing internal party division. And his resignation led to a domino effect of several high-profile people stepping down, black politicians around the country, including the very popular mayor of Johannesburg. So for many years, for many people, this is the demise of the DA as a counterbalancing force as a, and also a blow to South Africa's future, as many believe that it would be the ruling party in the near future. It also points to a serious reversal for the party, which is triggered by the return of former party leader Helen Zille to the party's leadership. Zille was a controversial white politician who had publicly embraced colonialism, and now she's back to reclaim the majority of the party's white supporters. And understandably, for many South Africans, identity politics seems to be back. It's amazing how some of these people just never go away. And and, and look, the timing of all this political turbulence is you know, seriously not ideal. The 25 years after apartheid, the economy is in such trouble with slowdowns and weak GDP in the in the forecast. It, the government bonds are now rated a junk status, a galloping 58% youth unemployment, an electricity crisis, a water crisis, a deteriorating finances of the state-owned energy crisis. I, it's just crumbling everywhere. And moreover, I think the increase of crime and violence that have made headlines all over the world has been alienating tourists to come to the you know, important cities like Cape Town or to rural areas for safaris. You know, and I don't have to tell you that tourism is an important revenue generator. I, I, I went on my honeymoon uh, to South Africa. So the new president's promises of reform and 
change and uh, cleanliness and job growth have just absolutely not materialized and the current political climate makes them even less likely. So the bottom line seems to me that South Africa is facing a tough, tough, tough combination of challenges and is running out of solutions. It's hard to see how they can set the you know, things straight in the near future. And um, our guest today will probably help us understand. She's written extensively about the South African economy and will help us really dive deeply into the country in its difficult times. Anne Bernstein heads the Center for Development and Enterprise in South Africa. It's an independent think tank. The CDE is regarded by many, including the Financial Times, as South Africa's leading policy center for social and economic development. And she was member of the transition team and then the Board of Development Bank of South Africa and is the author of The Case for Business and Developing Economies, a fitting topic right now, and a frequent analyst on South Africa. So welcome, Anne. It's a pleasure to have you in Altamar. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be with you. So it seems that this country is facing a perfect storm of political and economic crises. Can you break these down for us? Unfortunately, South Africa is in a very difficult situation. We, our economy is stagnant. Our fiscal situation is heading towards an explosive debt path. And we have one of the highest unemployment rates in the world and probably the highest youth unemployment rate and a number of other challenges. So this is a very difficult moment for South Africa. How does South Africa get beyond this difficult moment? Well, we we managed to get rid of a, a terrible president early in 2018 and significantly without a shot being fired, which is uh, an achievement. The new president would like to be a reformer in some respects, and he has started to recapture our state institutions, which had been decimated and hollowed out through corruption and political collusion. This takes time. It's one thing to destroy major institutions like our revenue service, our prosecuting agency, our police, and so on. But it takes a long time to recreate that. So on the what, what in South Africa is called the state capture front, reclaiming South Africa from the corrupt, we are making progress. It's slower than many of us would like, but there is undoubtedly progress. And I, I think we're going to start to finally see some people charged and hopefully going to jail, some politically powerful and economically powerful people. So that's progress. On the economic front, the country is struggling and unfortunately the co political coalition supporting the fight against corruption is a different coalition that needs to support the very difficult challenges we face in introducing reforms to get our economy going again and to make it a more labor-intensive economy. And unfortunately, we've seen far too little action on that front. I think the road on what, well, the, the road of what to do is clear. It's finding the political coalition to back that and the leadership to take the risks of action 
and to see that the risks of not acting are greater than those of moving forward, which might involve considerable political skill, leadership, and possibly courage. Let me ask you at this point, so the new president, Cyril Ramaphosa, and his team came to power as a sort of revived ANC, promising an end to corruption and economic recovery. And I even remember the that the economist had him on a pedestal as South Africa's last hope. So, so far, it's not good news. He hasn't really done and implemented the reforms that are needed and promised. And tell us a little bit of what's left to implement and why he hasn't. So President Ramaphosa inherited a, a very difficult situation created by his own party, it has to be said, of which he was deputy president for five years. But he, he wants to take the country on the road to growth, but the steps he has taken have been far too insufficient. Why hasn't he acted? Well, For a long time, since President Mandela in 1994, the ANC has been a very large tent incorporating policies that range from incredibly statist, almost socialist approaches to growth to market-driven people. And they kind of muddled through. And in the 2000s, in a much more friendly global economic environment, they were able to get results. But this is a very different world now, thanks to America and other things. The global economy is less friendly to countries like ours. So a less certain global environment. But South Africa has to make some hard choices to become a much more competitive global economy and to move away from subsidizing capital activities to encouraging firms to take risks and to employ more people in a competitive and um, viable way. That's where we're stuck because the trade unions, the largest trade union movement which supports the president up to now and is in a political alliance with him, do not see the need for the kind of market reforms I would advocate, and many in the business world and elsewhere would advocate. I think The Economist was naive in their approach to South African politics in our election when the cover story you're talking about, because you have to understand both the nature of the president as a man and leader and the political constraints he's operating with. Um, And so far, we haven't got... The results we need. And South Africa has not been able to turn the page from its history of racism. What do you think is a missing piece that will allow the country to move forward as an inclusive, progressive story? I disagree with the premise of that question. I think South Africa has made enormous progress in moving away from centuries of racial discrimination and segregation. And we have not just a constitution where all citizens are equal, but we are we have made enormous progress in desegregating neighborhoods, in opening up the doors of universities, schools, and other things to, to millions of black South Africans. Have we made enough progress? No. 
but you could say the same for many other countries, including your own. So I think you have to look at the 25 years of democratic rule soberly and realistically. It's very hard to expand our economy without growth. South Africa is, is in trouble. And growth is required to expand opportunities for black South Africans who are in our cities, we're increasingly urbanized. So that's one issue. We have to change the nature of our economy and grow much faster to open up to opportunities for black South Africans more than we have already. We also have to fix our education system. We inherited from apartheid a, 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 a completely unequal education system as a, for whites and black South Africans. And unfortunately, the democratic government has, has really failed to make significant progress in improving the quality of education available. So that makes it harder for people to get ahead. Um, so I think this is a nuanced question. And in fact, there are surveys in terms of how black and white South Africans feel about each other. And these are often a lot more encouraging than the shrieking on Twitter and other social media that, that might come across to foreigners. So I'm, I'm concerned if we don't grow that this could get worse, but I think the country has made significant progress and this president would like to go back to what was called the Rainbow Nation under President Mandela. And I think he has the support of the vast majority of South Africans on that front. Let me ask you a last question because you, you, you've made the point about needing to grow and in particular about South Africa's openness to foreign investment. But in particular, there's lots of stories about crime and insecurity in, in South Africa. And these particularly... They hinder not only the arrival of foreign investors, but also of tourism. So tell us, tell us a little bit about how President Ramaphosa also looks at how to try to resolve and reassure foreign visitors, because I know, obviously, that's an important source of income. Well, let me say a number of things. One, South Africa's large cities do have a lot of crime, and this is not good as do many cities in the developing world, Sao Paulo, Delhi, and others. So I think you have to look at it in the context of expanding cities in an urbanizing country and compare that with other developing country cities. That said, I don't think the government has taken combating crime seriously enough, and I think we need to do a great deal more uh, on this front both white-collar crime, putting some crooks in jail from the companies, global companies, and local companies that got involved in terrible corruption, putting some powerful political people in jail, you know, if proven guilty in a court of law. This will all help, but we also need more effective policing on our streets and uh, throughout our country. On the tourism front, South Africa has to do much, much better. We have a unbelievably beautiful country with all sorts of opportunities for, for tourism to be developed. And we have made some serious blunders in this area. And the president is trying very hard to 
to get both the visa regime, electronic visas and other things going, not fast enough in my view and others' view, but certainly it's very close to the top of his agenda. And this is a vital area for South Africa to expand enormous potential from India, China, all sorts of places all over the world to get more tourists and to get more jobs in the tourism field. So you're absolutely right to raise that. We have a lot to offer and we need to work harder on this front. And Bernstein, thank you so much for joining us on Altamar today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Peter, it sounds like the solution to South Africa's struggles is just finding a way to reach economic stability and prosperity. Do you think that's enough or do you think there's political fractures that go way beyond the economics and are really more ingrained in the culture and in the history of the country? I think, unfortunately, there has been a, uh, forgive this word, an Africanization of South Africa's politics in which corruption has for too long gone unpunished, abuse has for too long gone unidentified, and there's been a sort of too much of a cozy relationship among uh, ANC leaders who have, have not done enough to really accelerate the country's enormous, enormous potential. So, you know, in a way, I feel like South Africa has now the problems that other African countries do, other South American countries do, in which leadership lacks imagination and political guts to really shake the system up. I do think that it's interesting that kind of everything exploded when the opposition failed. And I, I think that underlines the need for opposing parties to really create a healthy counterbalance. No doubt. And the democratic the failure of the Democratic Alliance or the implosion of the Democratic Alliance is a, is a real pity. And I think a lot now rests on what President Ramaphosa will do. And will he be able to make those reforms that he's promised for so long to implement? That's it for Altamar today. We'll see you next time.